0: Part 2. The Mechanism of Evolution, Chapter 8A of Organic Evolution, Sexual and Artificial Selection. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Suzanne Grazier. On the web at BurningJoy.com. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Lull. Part 2. The Mechanism of Evolution, Chapter 8A, Sexual and Artificial Selection Sexual Selection Sexual Selection is the second Darwinian factor, the one whereby Darwin sought to account for the secondary sexual characters of animals, many of which seemingly cannot be the result of natural selection, as the structure is not in every instance useful in the struggle for existence. Primary Sex Distinctions The primary sex distinctions are the functional ones which naturally differ in the two sexes. They are the reproductive organs, ovaries and testes, with their essential glands and ducts, and the organs in the female whereby the young are nourished and developed before and after birth, the placenta and mammary glands secondary sex characters the secondary sex characters on the other hand are such as are often not directly concerned with procreation but may nevertheless be one of considerable importance to the organism they often enable us readily to distinguish the sexes as in the case of the pea fowl pavo whereas in other instances, sex may be the only recognizable by a microscopic examination of the reproductive glands as in the American oyster, Ostrea virginica. Special Organs for mating The secondary sex characters may be grouped under several headings for the purpose of the discussion. First among them are special organs for mating, structures sometimes found in the male in addition to the normal devices for coition, which are primary sex organs. Such for example are the holding organs in the frogs, curious pad-like structures on the palm of the hand by which the female is firmly clasped on either side of the hip girdle. Its purpose is to keep the two sexes together, as there is generally no internal impregnation, but the eggs are fertilized in the water which must be done immediately after extrusion before the gelatinous envelope has time to swell, since after that, impregnation is impossible. The shark-like fishes, with one living exception, have a portion of each pelvic fin in the male modified to what is known as the clasper for use as an intermittent sex organ in mating. While in the related chimeroids or silver sharks, there is, in addition to the pelvic claspers, a curious device on top of the head, which looks not unlike a door knocker and is provided with hooks derived from the skin. The actual use of this knocker-like organ has never been observed, but it is also supposed to be a clasping mechanism. The cephalopods show a remarkable seasonal alteration of one of the tentacle-like arms in the male, which is used in mating, a modification known as a hectocautilization. The arm is filled with a spermatophores prior to coition and is detached from the male during the latter process, a new one being developed to take its place. Brooding Organs Another kind of secondary sex characters are the brooding organs found especially in the female, but sometimes in the male. Under this head comes the marsupium, or pouch of the female marsupial, either one transverse or two longitudinal folds of the skin, which cover the teats and serve to protect the very immature and helpless young until they are able to sift for themselves. A comparable device is seen in the seahorse hippocampus, a small but highly specialized fish in which the ventral fins have become modified into a brood pouch to carry eggs, until time has come for them to hatch in this case curiously enough it is the male which as thompson says carries the eggs about in his breast pocket the same is true of some pipe fishes signatus the frogs and toads also show marvellous brooding devices especially the famous surinam toad pippa americana in which the skin of the back of the female forms growths for the reception of the eggs and in these the young undergo their whole metamorphosis each receptacle consists of a cavity with a lid the origin of the latter is not understood but it is probably produced by the remnant of the eggshell itself which after the larva has hatched remains on the top of the cup gadow says further of this group the greatest charm of the anura frogs and toads lies in their marvellous adaptation to prevailing circumstances and the nursing habits of some kinds read almost like fairy tales special scents and sound producing organs a third instance of secondary sex characters is represented by a special sense and sound producing organs here it is the insects which form the best means of illustration for being as a rule active locomotor types their special senses are proportionately developed male moths especially the so-called giant silkworm moths the chacropilla polythemus luna and others have the feathery antenna enormously developed compared with those of the female They are the seat of a marvellous sense for which, for want of a better understanding, has been compared with the human sense of smell. It is used by the male in searching out the female for the purpose of mating, and is wonderfully effective. The male moths assembling around a newly emerged female from a radius of several miles. Among the scale insects, both sexes are degenerate secondary types during their young condition, and often obscurely colored so as to be discerned with difficulty. The female remains scale-like throughout life, but the male upon metamorphosis changes into a delicate two-winged fly, in sharp contrast to his lowly mate. Abortion of the mouth parts in adult insects is not infrequent, as in the Chinese silkworm Bombicus mori mayflies, etc but in the male coccyd they are replaced by an extra pair of eyes in the under side of the head as a necessary aid in finding the obscure female vocal organs are almost exclusively combined to the vertebrates with the exception of the insects but here it is the males only which are provided with sound producing organs with the crickets and katydids, they are a modification of the four wings, which have sonorous structures that are thrown into vibration by being rubbed past each other. The sound being amplified by tightly stretched membranes analogous to a banjo head, or by the resonant chambers formed by the wings, and is comparable to the body of a violin. The grasshoppers stradulate by rubbing the hind leg across the edge of the wing, and the cicadas have a remarkable pair of kettle drums at the base of the abdomen which are made to resound by the alternate stretching and relaxing of the membrane which covers them they lie beneath a pair of backwardly projecting flaps comparable to the skirts of an eighteenth-century waistcoat special locomotor organs such as occur in the male scale insects and certain moths are perhaps not so much a development in the male as degeneracy in the female for absence of locomotor powers on her part renders increased activity upon that of the male imperative for the sake of future generations in the famous gypsy moth the female although still possessing wings has lost the power of flight because of the great weight of her body whereas in the cankerworm moths the female wings have utterly disappeared Organs of special use usually take the form of weapons, such as the antlers of the male deer, the tusks of the boar, and the male musk deers and chevrotains, And among insects, the huge mandibles of the stag beetles, and the spines on the head and thorax of the rhinoceros beetles. Among bees and wasps, on the other hand, the sting is confined to the females, or the so-called neuters, or workers, which are in reality underdeveloped females. The sting is a modification of the ovipositor, or the egg-laying organ characteristic, for instance, of the parasitic hymenoptera, which are near relatives of their stinging allies. Special characters for exciting or attracting the opposite sex are such as appeal to the senses of sight, hearing, and smelling, taking the nature of cries and antics, of color and plumage, and of special odors. They may be either seasonal or persistent, and are in many ways the most inexplicable of all of the secondary characters of sex. They are, of course, confined almost entirely to the male. Instances may be multiplied indefinitely, as they have been observed by all. The gorgeous tail of the peacock, the pompous dignity of his carriage, and even his strident voice are all supposed to make an irresistible appeal to the female. The strutting of the common turkey, and especially the drumming of the ruffled grouse, are further instances. The beard of a man and the mane of a lion may also be included under this head. Reciprocal organs are found in a reduced state in the female, as horns in the goats, antelope, caribou, and reindeer. Stradulating organs, though underdeveloped, are present in female crickets and katydids, while in the male mammals, the mammae are present in a rudimentary state. In the male, the mammary apparatus normally becomes absorbed, though frequently at birth and at puberty milk is produced in the human subject. Male goats and castrated sheep have also been known to give milk, Vidersheim. A functionless rudimentary brood pouch is present in the male Tasmanian wolf, Thylacinus. Indifferent Characters Under the head of indifferent characters are included such as are of no vital importance to their owner and yet are sex distinctive. They are mainly the negative reciprocals of certain structures already mentioned as characteristics of the opposite sex, as for instance, the reduced wings of certain female insects, the vestigial gut in the male rotifers or wheel animacules, the slight indifferences in size or colour in many birds and insects, or the differences in the proportions or the pattern and arrangement of the veins of their wings, and in the number of tarsal or antennal segments atavistic characters are those distinctive of ancestral conditions like the hairy breast and greater bodily strength which often occurs in men but rarely in women these are the secondary sex characters to explain which the theory of sexual selection was proposed but it will be seen that with the exception of those under the caption of indifferent characters and perhaps the last three they may all be regarded as a result of natural selection as they are useful in the struggle for existence the characteristics included in the indifferent characters group on the other hand are such as to make their owner more conspicuous and doubtless expose him to dangers from which the more obscure animal would be immune hence their development is opposed to the principle of natural selection as the results are a handicap and not an aid in the struggle for existence theory of sexual selection The theory of sexual selection is based upon the competition or struggle for mating, and while natural selection presupposes a passive female, sexual selection implies presumptive choice on her part of the most desirable male to be the father of her progeny, with the consequent inheritance by the offspring of his estimable characteristics darwin also included in his theory the competition or struggle for mating where rival males fight for the possession of a female as in the case of the deer or sea lion the female being in each instance the passive reward of the victor but this fighting on the part of the males is merely a phase of the intraspecific struggle although it is not a fight for food and space but for a chance to mate this chance, however, often depends upon a life-and-death struggle, and no theory of sexual selection is necessary to account for the development of the weapons or greater prowess which enables one animal to become the victor over another. Postulated Basis of the Theory as darwin originally proposed it the theory was based upon the following assumptions the truth of which has apparently attested by a varying number of facts first mainly secondary sexual characters are not explicable by natural selection they are not useful in the struggle for life second the males seek the females for the sake of pairing Third, the males are more abundant than the females. Fourth, in many cases there is a struggle among the males for the possession of the females. Fifth, in many other cases the females choose, in general, those males specifically distinguished by more brilliant colors, more conspicuous ornaments, or other attractive characters. Sixth, many males sing or dance, or otherwise draw to themselves the attention of the females. Seventh, the secondary sexual characteristics are especially variable. Darwin believed that he had observed certain other conditions to exist which help make the sexual selection theory probable, but the conditions noted are sufficient if they truly exist. Kellogg. Difficulties. Some of the difficulties which stand in the way of our acceptance of Darwin's tenets are thus enumerated by Kellogg. The theory can only apply where the males are more numerous or polygamous. Otherwise, even if rejected by the first female, each male, however undesirable, would sooner or later find his mate, and thus the unornamented males would leave as many progeny as the ornamented, which would prevent any culmination of ornamental variations by selection. Among the higher vertebrates, where a great number of ornamented males occur, the proportion of the sexes is about equal, and where the polygamy exists, there is always a struggle for mastery, not an active female choice in most species the mating female is observed to be wholly passive and propinquity is seen to be greatest factor in determining which two shall pair ornamental colours are as often characteristic of males of species in which there is no real pairing as among those which pair sexual choice certainly cannot account for the remarkable ornamental colors of the males of many fishes in the breeding season for in many cases the female may not even see the male which fertilizes her already laid eggs Eigenmann, on the other hand notes the utter absence of such ornamentation among cave fishes which live in the dark and argues that where they do appear therefore they must be due to visual selection This may, however, be explained in a different way, as we shall see. A high degree of the aesthetic sense on the part of the females of animals would be necessary for choice on the basis of ornament and attractiveness. For this we have no other proof, and we cannot imagine its existence on the part of invertebrate animals in which ornament is not often so highly conspicuous even among the higher forms wherein the aesthetic sense may be developed to a certain extent we have no assurance of any one standard of beauty for individual taste varies greatly with men and probably also with animals even if we may attribute a certain aesthetic sense to mammals and birds the question naturally arises whether it can be so keenly developed as to lead the female to make a choice among slightly differences of color or song yet this assumption is necessary if the theory of sexual selection is to be accepted would not the evolution of this aesthetic sense upon the part of the female be just as difficult to account for very few cases of actual choice by the female have ever been observed for even so earnest as an observer as darwin himself who had every reason to record the greatest possible number, failed to note more than eight cases among birds, and but half a dozen more, all doubtful, are mentioned in the literature from his day until 1907. Many of the so-called attractive characters of males have been found to be during life of such a nature that the females could not note them as for instance the brilliant colours and curious horns of the male dung beetle which are so obscured by filth that they cannot be used for display while in the case of melodious or luminous insects like the crickets or fireflies nearness will make a relatively feeble song or light seem much finer than that of a distant but much more musical or brilliant insect That dances and serenades do occur during the breeding season is well known, but they may be for the purpose of excitation of the usually passive female, and may not imply the necessity of any discriminating choice upon her part among the number of males. That rivalry would be developed among the dancers or singers is only natural, and may or may not lead to further perfection of the art. End of Part 2, The Mechanism of Evolution, Chapter 8A of Organic Evolution, Sexual and Artificial Selection, recording by Joy Suzanne Grazier, on the web at burningjoy.com.